we have to balance and take care of ourselves before we can take care of our clients and our business to be able to be provide that value that we want to out in the you know social media world or wherever we're working with our clients as you come through these kinds of challenges it's like empowering Welcome to the Openly Spoken Podcast, where we talk about the real and raw, messy middle of business and life transitions. My name is Celia Antonio. I am your host for this podcast. You can find me on Instagram at selfexpressbabe. And today we are talking about health, wellness, and nutrition. Today's guest is Linda Schertzer. She is the founder of Age Intelligence, and Linda is a health and wellness coach. She focuses on helping people transform their health so that they can live a life without disease. She helps you learn the applicable skills for your life now in the present moment so that you can live longer and have the quality of life that you want in the future. Linda's worked in corporate health technology for over 25 years, where she designed solutions to support the prevention and even the reversal of type 2 diabetes. In her research and experience with her work that she's done, she's found that people really respond to making lifestyle changes by working with real people and not just apps. So this is what inspired her to become a health and wellness coach. And Linda's also lived through her own personal challenges in this realm. So Linda has faced some metabolic challenges and she's been able to get her health back and lose excess weight even after menopause. So Linda is here for you today so that you can understand how nutritional health is the path to your health. It's the path to freedom of disease. It's the path to your capabilities, your physical capabilities, your mental capabilities, and it's your path to confidence. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I recommend getting uh, something to write notes with or just sit and receive this transmission. And I hope that this can serve you. Now let's dive into the episode. Linda, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm absolutely delighted to be here, Celia. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. It's nice to connect with you again. Uh, I think this is our third or fourth time having a video chat, but first time that it's being recorded. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It always makes you a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, right. A little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So I would love to talk about today how what your journey has been like, how you transitioned from the job you had before to being a business owner now. So let's start with that. Sure. sure. I, um, I have to say I've been in the corporate world for over 30 years and I worked for uh, Philips Healthcare for over 20 years. In my role there, it was about helping seniors age safely. Uh, part of the division of Philips Healthcare was the Lifeline business, which a lot of people equate to help by phone. I can't get up that button. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that, that was it. And I really worked in um, the uh, B2B or business to business portion of the business. The, there's a, you know, you think of a 
direct business to consumer or business to business. So our healthcare partners were looking for some solutions to help them keep people um, safe when, after they were discharged from the hospital. So I worked in mm. predictive analytics basically to help them with that. So, but what I, what I really learned uh, in that world was all about chronic illness and in the elderly and the diseases they're dealing with and mm -hmm. how it really created um, challenges for them later in life. And most of the diseases were things like congestive heart failure, or um, things related to uh, diabetes and mm -hmm. um, you know heart attack. Those are probably the major things that incapacitated people. And one of the things that we found is when they got the button, it wasn't because they were worried about falling. It was because they were worried about being safe at night in particular because of the chronic diseases that they had. So oh, would wow. they wake up and have trouble breathing? Would they... Um, have a low blood sugar and need to go to the hospital, things like that. So oh, wow. we actually did a study with um, Partners Healthcare in Boston and revealed that people weren't using it for falls as much as everyone thought in the industry. So it was, wow. it was really interesting, exciting. And I have a couple of you know published articles on that um, study that we've done. What that got me thinking as a long story around this, but was I really wanted to be in a world where I could help people before they got chronically ill when they were older. And what could they do? The research that I had read is that there's so much that you can do to prevent some of these diseases. Mm -hmm. And you know, learning more and more about that every day, but most of the diseases that people were running into issues with were really diseases related to inflammation and probably linked back to nutrition and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So they're not active enough or they're eating foods that aren't so healthy for them. And I really wanted to see if I could back up and help people earlier. So I did do some consulting work for a couple of years and I worked in the um, uh, cardiovascular space with a company that was did um, help people manage blood pressure. And then I went um, to a company that helped people with diabetes and to prevent uh, complications from mostly type two. And I really found that the solutions that most companies were coming up with, which were really great groundbreaking solutions were geared to um, helping people at scale because that's how you can roll things out. And our health systems were really not focused on preventative healthcare early on where mm -hmm. people need to do make changes in their 30s and their mm -hmm. 40s and even their 20s, to be honest, to actually prevent disease later. So I really wanted to go back into the world where I could help people make these changes earlier. And I, um, I got uh, certified as a nutrition coach and it really helped me to launch my business to help people in that space. So I found that companies in the corporate world weren't really looking to do things one-on-one -on -one because it wasn't cost effective. And mm -hmm. yet all the research that I was looking at showed that people did the best when they had that one-on-one -on -one coaching. So yeah. automated coaching programs really are helping people be successful only about 25% of the time. And then people drop out and don't reach their goals. So I knew that mm -hmm. I could make a difference and maybe I'd help fewer people, but I'd you know, I would say 
uh, my target is 100% of the people I work with are going to have progress and move forward successfully. Yeah. So that's um, really the only way to do that was to move out of the corporate world. So that's kind of how my journey started. And I know that was probably a longer answer than you wanted, but. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm here for all of it. <laughs> it it's how I got, it's how I, how I've made the progression. Yeah. Yeah. It makes yeah. so much sense too, that the one-on-one would work better with nutrition. Cause I feel like your food choices, it's such a personal thing. And when you're in a group setting, it can kind of be tempting to kind of like fib a bit about what it is that you're eating or not eating because you want to be like accepted. <laughs> I don't know where yeah, that comes from. And I think, and I think like small groups are probably helpful for people. And I'd love to yeah. do more small group kind of work, but I think that because some people do better collaborating with peers, you know, again, mm-hmm. it's preference and style. Yeah. Um, and that same as nutrition, you know, not everybody is body is the same. So mm-hmm. um, one of the things I found working in the diabetes space that was so interesting and really proved to me that everybody is different, no pun intended or pun intended, <laughs> is that using a CGM, which a lot of people don't know is a continuous glucose monitor. So okay. when you wear that device, it's a medical device that people who have diabetes use often, and they can track and see what happens with their blood sh- glucose. And they use it primarily to help take their medications and things like that, or to prevent low blood sugars. But what I found is that everybody responds differently to the foods they eat. So I might eat a bagel, for example, and have a big blood sugar spike where someone, I might not have a blood sugar spike from chocolate and Mm. yet somebody else might not, you know, it might be reversed. And so that really helped me to see that there's no one diet for everyone, that there's really, um, you know, you have to kind of learn to listen to your own body. And that one-on-one coaching really can help people um, to pay attention to that and then make the right habit changes that will contribute to their success. Yeah, I love that. So with a group coaching, then what comes to mind for me is like, it would be cool for, I know everybody's different, but is there maybe like, I don't know if this is a thing, are there different like groups of how someone would react to certain foods and you could put those people together in a group? For example, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Ayurveda, Mm -hmm. you know how they have like Hatha and Pitta. Yeah. 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 I think that, you know, that's an interesting, um, way to approach it. And that might be helpful for some, but I think that no matter what food choices someone Mm -hmm. is making, say, for example, if they're in a group of, you know, six people who are looking to improve their health, when you think about nutrition and making lifestyle changes, it isn't isolated to just the foods you eat. It's also impacted by the environment you set up for yourself. It's impacted by the sleep that you get, the stress in your life, the emotional and mental mindset that you have around it, Mm -hmm. Um, the activity, all Mm -hmm. of these things need to be explored and adjusted in order for people to make continual sustainable changes. And that small group for some people might be an ideal way to um, explore how to do that and get hints from people. Well, I'll give you 
an example that's totally unrelated. I was with my <laughs> granddaughter at the park this morning uh-huh. and was talking to another mom who had a two-year-old and my granddaughter's three and my daughter's about ready to deliver her second child. And as you can imagine, people who have children under the age of 12 are really worried because they aren't able to get vaccinated. And oh, what's wow. the safety for them? You know, and, mm-hmm. you know, especially concerning when you think about bringing a newborn into an environment where a three-year-old might expose them from, you know, just playing in the playground Mm. with some kids. And um, what this mother shared with me was how she had a family member who had a newborn and a three-year-old. And what she was doing was breastfeeding, which would give the antibodies to the Mm -hmm. infant. But then she was taking breast milk and putting it in smoothies for her three-year-old. So oh my God. the three-year-old got antibodies. I was so thrilled about so that. So smart. I went home and my daughter and my daughter was like, that's brilliant. And, <laughs> you know, that's just kind of like-minded things going on. Yeah. You, you know, you're obviously, you're not going to do everything exactly the same, but you know, you get tips and ideas that, um, yeah. Um, yeah. So we should, if we're not getting vaccinated, we should start packaging breast milk, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool how, how, uh, women's bodies, how we can do that for our children with, Isn't it amazing? Like, yeah, it's so cool. I think it's really cool. I'm not a mom yeah. yet, but I know I want to be one one day. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's a great experience. And being a grandma is even more, it's, it's even better. It's so much fun. I bet. <laughs> so cause, fun. cause you don't have to do as much work. I don't know. (laughs) You just slow down and enjoy them. It's so, Mm -hmm. it's so different. Something that I think I see a lot amongst entrepreneurs is, and I'm guilty of this too, Mm -hmm. is just kind of like, we're in charge of our own schedule and we're working from home and you just kind of like work through the whole day without taking that lunch break. Yeah, (laughs) I know how that can be. (laughs) I actually have to schedule, I have my on my phone, I have an alarm that goes off at 11:45 a.m., and that's yep. my alarm to get up and start making lunch. Because sometimes I like to cook, sometimes I just make a sandwich, but sometimes I like full-on cook, so I have my alarm yeah. set earlier. Right, great, <laughs> yeah. No, I think you have to do that. I mean, like I do um, during the week. I love to intermittent fast, and but the weekend sometimes I do, sometimes I eat, you know, later, but. Um, I generally don't eat lunch until between one and two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I don't have breakfast. I skip right on to, to that, which by the way, one of the benefits of intermittent fasting is the time you get back. You know, there's one meal less that you have to, oh. how, how long do you have to fast for that? I forgot. Is um, it eight hours. Well, people can, you can intermittent fast different times depending. Mm-hmm. So I usually finish eating by seven o'clock at night and then don't eat until one or two the next day. And okay. I feel great with that. And then sometimes I mix it up. Uh, sometimes I'll eat at noon. Um, sometimes on the weekend, I'll have, um, you know, brunch with friends at uh, 11 o'clock. So I, you know, my body has done already a lot of healing, which intermittent fasting can really help you with healing oh, nice. um, and balancing hormones that for me, that works and I'm not ravenous or anything. My eating window is from usually two to about seven at night. And that's when I eat and eat well, I eat healthy and everything kind of stays, um, balanced for me. So being someone who's postmenopausal, one of the things that is a change is I don't need as many calories as I used to. Oh, um, 
Yeah. And Mm. intermittent fasting has really helped me to kind of better manage that and balance it as well. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's me and everybody's different with it. But when people start intermittent fasting, usually you can do about 12 hours, you know, seven to seven pretty easily. And then you can add on to it, but um, it's great. But it's, you know, your hormones are so important. And I did on my age intelligence Instagram this past month, I did a lot on insulin resistance and balancing hormones and prediabetes. And ironically, today I was at a Panera meeting with somebody who's in one of the social media groups that I'm learning with. And all of a sudden, this woman just passed out in the Panera. And oh. she was in her probably she was maybe 30 or so. And I knew immediately when I got over to her and saw what was going on, she was kind of like all glassy and, you know, not very conscious. And um, I thought, oh my God, she looks like she's got low blood sugar, hypoglycemia. And um, Uh so I immediately, the woman from Panera, I said, call 911 and then bring me some orange juice. And I got her some orange juice and she started to come back. And I asked her her name and told her mine then said, you know, do you have diabetes? Do you have low blood sugar? You know, and she said, I don't have diabetes, but I I have, you know, low blood sugar. And, but I've never passed out from it. She said, I gotten dizzy from it. And I said, oh, well, you, you really passed out and you hit your head pretty hard. So, you know, we called paramedics and they came, but I'd had her, you know, down about half of the juice and it kind of brought her back. But, you know, it's like our hormones to be balanced are are, are really important. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I saw that up close and real today. <laughs> so it's been kind of a wild day. <laughs> wow. Panera is also like the last place you would think someone would have low blood sugar there. <laughs> all they like, almost all they sell is carbs. <laughs> well, she'd come in and, um, it was about two in the afternoon at this mm-hmm. point and she hadn't eaten yet oh. all day. Oh, all and day. Oof. Yeah. So she had not eaten and, you know, she was probably young and active and, yeah. um, you know, if you've got low blood sugar issues and they're, they, she, I did ask her, she, they're not managed by a physician. I said, I encourage mm-hmm. you to see a primary care and, you know, get some help with this, but mm-hmm. and she might have something else going on um, that, uh, yeah, it's, it's like people don't realize just how important that hormone balance is. Yeah. And it's not just your glucose, you've got to balance, you know, your cortisol, your insulin, and, you know, Mm -hmm. these are all hormones that are important. Cholesterol, all of that. So so. have you read, there's this book, um, I think it's called, Why Am I So Tired? by Dr. Amy Shaw. I'm so effing tired. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) I've said that before. (laughs) (laughs) She talks mostly about uh, balancing your hormones. Yep. And, um, but it's more than nutrition. It's also like sleep schedule and yep. the way yep. you move and stuff like that. So important. Um, there's a endocrinologist who's probably one of the top um, endocrinologists for balancing hormones and nutrition in, in the country. And um, one of the things she said, the first thing she works on with people to help them balance and really uh, manage diabetes is their sleep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sleep is so critical and so important. Part of what also drove me to leave corporate was during COVID, it was just so incredibly stressful and unsettling to do the work I was doing um, Mm -hmm. on Zoom because I was just meeting with probably six to eight meetings a day with three to 
20 people on a zoom call. Like that's horrible. And it was just, it was, and I wasn't sleeping and that's what I lost. I lost my ability to sleep and I'd be up some nights, three hours in the middle of the night. And I, I was just like, I realized that just wasn't going to be a healthy environment to be able to achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve for, for the work I was doing to help people get healthy. And it was ironic that I was taking my own health away. So, you know, that it's like something what's not right with this picture, Mm -hmm. but I started tracking my sleep. Interesting. And I love technology and use technology for tracking my stuff a lot. And I use this um, app called auto sleep, which you can download. And if you wear like an iWatch um, or Google watch, you can utilize it. And it was just, it was so interesting. Now I could see like when I would wake up and when I would go back to sleep and I could tell I was having no deep sleep at all. And, you know, not to get into too much details, but we go through different phases of sleep. And one of the yeah. phases is, you know, the full recovery, deep sleep, then, you know, kind of a moderate sleep and then light sleep. And you kind of go back and forth and you dream in your deep sleep time period. And um, it was funny. Mm-hmm. I was not, I went for ages, not remembering my dreams or Maybe I wasn't me even too. having them. Yeah, yeah, me too. It was a few years where I wasn't remembering dreams. It wasn't until yeah. maybe a year ago that I started. Yeah. Again. And you might not have been having deep sleep and you might not have been having dreams, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, minimally. But um, so that uh, I could track and see by, you know, normalizing and setting a bedtime. And, you know, at 9.15, I start winding down and making sure electronics are shut off and starting my before bed, you know, routine and ritual so that I can be in bed to go to sleep by about 10 o'clock every night. And now that's my ritual and routine. And it, it really makes a big difference, really Mm -hmm. a big difference. And um, the other thing I've experimented with recently too, is um, CBD drops to to use CBD drops at night. Um, I get like a broad spectrum CBD, which means it's got a tiny, tiny bit of THC in it. And that you really, I guess, need that for the relaxing. But um, yeah, it that makes a big difference. Oh my gosh, I sleep so deep. I went from like a one and a half to two hours of deep sleep to about three hours of deep sleep oh, Wow! using CBD drops. And I experiment with it. And sometimes I won't use them and then start mm-hmm. again. But it's interesting. And, um, for people who eat a low carb diet consistently, they might have trouble sleeping, believe it or not. And then you oh, add carbs in and you kind of reset that, um, sleep capability again. Mm-hmm. So, um, all the studies have shown intermittent fasting is fabulous, but you want to cycle things and you low carb diet is great, but you want to cycle and, you know, um, not do anything just 100%. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got your body needs some, um, I think they call it it's a flexibility, basically. Okay. So you want to have that that flexibility. I've heard that too, about keto that like, mm-hmm. keto is good to follow, but that your body needs that flexibility. So sometimes you do the low carb and high fat. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. just like switch. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure how it works. I'm no professional it's, at this. You're the professional yeah. here. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so what happens with keto is people go through, um, they change what their body uses for fuel. And what's interesting mm. is our, most of us, you glucose or carbohydrates 
becomes sugar very quickly, particularly mm -hmm. processed carbohydrates, which is not mm -hmm. a great thing, but even carbohydrates from fruits, like mm -hmm. turn to sugar pretty quickly. What happens is the body gets used to depending on carbohydrates and glucose for energy, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we function. So what happens with keto is the body changes from leveraging glucose and carbs for sugar to becoming fat adapted and utilizing fat for energy. Sorry, glucose and carbs for energy, but it's like they become fat adapted mm -hmm. and leverage fat, which is really interesting. And um, so that's what you want to kind of cycle back and forth from once in okay. a while is to be able to go from being carbohydrate adapted for energy to uh, fat adapted for mm -hmm. it. And, um, you know, everything eventually turns to sugar. That's how it gets into our cells. So <laughs> even fat will, but it's just, it's your body uses it differently. And our brain really benefits from that. And that's why a lot of people feel when they intermittent fast and eat keto, or I would say keto ish when they're, you know, fat adapted for their nutrition, they end mm -hmm. up having more energy and more clarity and things like that. And yeah. that's a really great thing to be able to do. And you can, you can kind of switch that on and off. But a lot of people who are overweight have um, what they call non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So they actually have, um, you know, that distended stomach or larger belly and um, that larger waist over 36 inches is genuinely someone may have some liver issues, whether they know it or not. You want to get to the point where you can, um, you know, bring the use, utilize those fat stores. And to do that, uh, to use up the, the liver fat stores, you, you kind of want to do some fat adapted work, which um, mm. is that makes sense. keto ish type. Yeah. Yeah. So that actually makes sense. And that's, and that's what, you know, that's what we have to experiment with. That's everyone's going to need to do different things. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll respond differently. Mm -hmm. And what, what people find is they might not lose as many pounds as quickly, but their body starts to shrink. So they they start to lose fat, their clothes fit better. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, that's a sign that they might be getting healthier. How does all of this, like the nutrition, the sleep and all of that, how does yeah. all of that support someone who is a new entrepreneur? So really great question. So, and I think that, you know, our, we have to balance and take care of ourselves before we can take care of our clients and our business and um, to be able to be provide that value that we want to out in the, you know, social media world or wherever we're working with our clients. And mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of people have the sense that starting a new business is really hard work. And mm -hmm. it certainly is. I can say that from, you know, I'm every, I do everything right. Yeah. And it's, it's hard work. And like you said, you can sometimes realize you have to set an alarm because it's noontime to or yeah. two o'clock or whatever to eat. Yeah. And we have to learn to balance and put our own oxygen masks on first. And yeah. I think that, you know, that goes for sleep. It goes for food. It goes for activity. And um, in particular, making sure our environment is conducive, um, mm -hmm. you know, and making sure that uh, the people around us are supportive. All of that is so important. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because the reality is starting a business is really hard, but being successful in a business is really harder. Yeah. <laughs> so you've really got to, you've got to make sure that you've got the habits in place in the, when you're starting your business so that when you are successful with it, um, you, you're able to maintain and be sustainable. It's not yeah. like, it's not like it, it doesn't get busier. It gets, <laughs> it gets busier, not less busy when you start being successful. Yeah. She say? yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, my message to people out there who are starting a business and everyone feels like, Oh, I'm so busy. I don't have time. I'm spending money here and there. It's like, if you're not investing in making sure you've got the habits in place for sustainability for your life, there's, there's no business you're going to really get off the ground successfully. Yeah, and make I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree. <laughs> yep. Yep. I actually um, posted in a few uh, Facebook groups this week that are entrepreneur based. And all I wrote was service-based entrepreneurs. How many hours a week do you spend on your business? And so many of them responded like 80 hours or like all the time, or there were a few people here and there that were like, oh, only four hours a day or something. But most people are spending way too much time, (laughs) way too much time in their business. So, yeah, 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 that's, you know, it's interesting you say that it's like, um, when I was in um, the product management world at Philips Mm -hmm. and Philips Healthcare, Part of my job was to start new business initiatives and figure out the financial viability of them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's really interesting, and businesses do this all the time, is one of the most important things to know about starting a business is when to pull the plug. So <laughs> you really you have to decide what are going to be the criteria for success and what are the criteria for not success and end it. It's like putting more hours and more money into it isn't always the right thing to do. Sometimes you have to end it and pivot. You know, yeah. and, you know, entrepreneurs, you talk to them all the time and they say, you have to be ready to fail at businesses to be successful at businesses, right? And you're going to have many potentially many failures before you get that one that's successful or two or three or whatever it is that you're going to have successful. Each is a learning experience for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, some of that background that I learned in, you know, big companies is really important and applicable. And if you're doing all the work at 80 hours a week, something's not right. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Off. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, because that's how sustainable is that? Exactly. And also the what you said about like knowing when to pull the plug, that can even mm-hmm. be translated into like knowing when to take a break. <laughs> because yeah. sometimes like yeah. for me, if I take an hour break, yeah, I'll come back more creative rather than yes. if I just powered through a project that I'm working on. Yep. 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 Yeah. But I and go ahead. <laughs> No, I think that, um, you know, and that power of a break is like, there's actually even been studies done talking about using activity for weight loss or something like that. People lose more Uh weight if they take a two minute exercise snack every hour than if they did just one 40 minute workout a day. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it's two minutes every hour. 
Mm -hmm. It helps to actually balance hormones better and manage your glucose so that you're not going to have, you know, without getting into all the details, it's insulin spikes in our body that help us um, main, hold on to fat. So by mm -hmm. doing having that little activity every hour, you're actually balancing your hormones so that you're not going to have, you're going to have your blood sugar will be a little more even. Nice. So that makes a big difference. I wrote oh, yeah. that down to do that. <laughs> All right. I know it's cool, right? Just two minutes. And uh, I call it an exercise snack. <laughs> nice. I like that. Right? Not that I want to yeah. lose weight. I just feel like I sit a lot at the computer. Mm -hmm. So like, if that's good for losing weight, that's probably good for staying healthy overall and keeping. It, yeah. And that's, it's, it's balancing hormones because yeah. you can be, you can be skinny unhealthy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, what, what do they say is sitting at the computer in the desk is um, like the new smoking. Mm. So yeah. it, that people do compare it to it. So, yeah, yeah you know, have a stand, I have a stand up desk and sometimes standing up helps. I need one just, of those. Yeah. <laughs> I got mine at Costco. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Good deal. So I've yeah, also, so. I've also, uh, was surprised when I learned that like, even if you exercise regularly, if you're sitting at your desk for like four hours consistently, you can't undo that. It, it's it's you can't, yeah. Exercise can't undo a lot of things we do to ourselves. People, mm -hmm. um, yeah. People think that, um, people think that they can exercise away poor food choices. And <laughs> I used to cannot, do that. <laughs> yeah. You cannot exercise away a bad diet. That, that was why I started exercising when I was 15. So I could eat junk food. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You, you cannot, you cannot out exercise a poor diet. <laughs> That's funny. So the nutrition has to be there for health for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah. okay. Let's, let's see if we can get back to the topic of like sure. pivoting and business and stuff since, since mm -hmm. you came from corporate and yeah. now you have your own, uh, business, you already shared, like you already shared why you wanted to start. Cause you wanted to have a deeper impact. Were there any like major, I'm sure there were, were the, what were the major shifts of like working corporate? And I know it was business to business B2B and now you're working mm -hmm more on like a B to C level. What was that? How was that like? So it's interesting. Um, I have like, because I have a long tenure in the corporate world, I have a lot of contacts on LinkedIn, for example, oh, and nice. a lot of people know and respect me. And so in the beginning, I'm getting referrals from people and business from people who know me and know my capability on LinkedIn. Nice. Whereas building up the business online and social media, I figure is probably going to take a year to two years to do. Mm. Okay. My expectation is realistic and that it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, it's wonderful when it does. And I'm really happy for people who, you know, can make this buzz right away. But I, my sense is it's a slow, steady progression. And mm -hmm. um, so for me, one of the things that I wanted to do was have more balance in my life. And I actually decided to leave a job so that I could do this full time mm -hmm. and try to balance. So I'm like living with less income, obviously, than I was making in my old 
career. For um, now, just for now. For now. <laughs> I, I know some people would say, are you crazy? You know, But the, the reality is, um, you know, that balance is so important. It's a balance of my own health and balance of what are my real dreams and desires in life. And it's a whole long story as to why I have these dreams and desires, but um, I, I feel like I'm on the path to, to doing it. I am scared and I did jump in full 100% commitment. You know, I've, I've decided that if I have to use, you know, 50,000 or so of my retirement savings mm. to make this successful, then I'm willing to take that risk. You're brave. Isn't that scary? As I say, and, and that I don't scares have like me. a million dollars. I, what am I supposed to get? $3 million. I don't have a million dollars. I don't have uh, any of that, but it's like, but the reality is it's like, if I, I've always had my back, mm. I've always had my own back. And it, it's like worst case scenario if I have to um, retire and start taking retirement income before age 65, mm-hmm. I can do that, which means I'm over 60. So I'm, I'm, I'm 62. So I could actually take retirement money, which is you don't want to because you get more if you wait and have it mm. later in life. It's like it's the whole Medicare thing is so complicated. Social Security. But at any rate, um, I if I have to, I can get some from that, but um, I'd rather just use a little bit of money every month to kind of fill in the gap of what I need to live and live more conservatively and have, um, you know, the life that I really aspire to have and live. So you have to be able to, there's a cost to everything that we wanna do in life. There's a cost to our dreams, there's a mm-hmm. cost to losing excess fat. There's a mm-hmm. cost to getting healthier. I mean, all of these things yeah. have a cost. You got to make trade-offs. It's like a give and take. Yeah. It's like people say, oh, I want to do it all. And you can do it all. You just can't do it all at the very same time. Yeah. Necessarily. Right. And yeah. um, so right now I'm, you know, investing in myself like I, I never have before. And I'm, you know, it's like worst case scenario, I'll have to cut back a bit and go back and do some consulting. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have my back. And, uh, you know, I was a single mom at one point with three little kids, and mm-hmm. we survived, I had my back, and I had their back. And, you know, if I can do that, I can do this. Yeah, that was hard. That's, I love that was that. hard. This is these are the good problems to have. <laughs> It's fine. I'll take it. <laughs> I think it's really beautiful how you said, I've always had my back. Mm-hmm. I love that. Is that something? Is that, have you always been like that? Or when did that start? Yes. Yeah. Ooh, that gets into some heavy stuff. Yes. Gets into <laughs> you don't have to really share if stuff. you don't want to, but well, I would love to hear I'll if you share want to share. At a high level. Okay. Um, anyway, but okay. yeah, I had, um, <laughs> I had, uh, um, a first marriage mm-hmm. that my husband had uh, developed some chronic illness issues from diabetes. Ironically, he was a type one diabetic and he didn't take good care of himself. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know anything about diabetes at the time. 
um, now I consider myself almost an expert, but um, <laughs> for sure. But uh, he was, um, you know, didn't take care of himself, ended up having kidney failure uh-huh. and had a kidney transplant that didn't go well and ended up being incredibly depressed and angry and became abusive to myself and the children. Mm. And, you know, you have to sometimes make some really hard decisions. And, you know, he wouldn't do therapy. He just didn't want to deal with any other kind of illness and mental illness to him was another illness. And it was so sad. But, um, you know, I really gave him a month to decide, okay, you've either got to do therapy, or you're going to have to move out. Yeah, you know, it was like, um, really hard choice, but I couldn't have him you know hurt the children and myself and he was you know it was physical and emotional and mm-hmm. you know, he's an angry angry man mm-hmm. um uh, unfortunately disease can do that to some people we hear the stories times where you know someone gets cancer and they become this wonderful person who's giving and able to do that but you know what <laughs> there's the dark side of it as well and um my children were really uh getting damaged by it and mm-hmm. um so, uh, yeah, and we got divorced and I got full custody and he didn't pay me any child support. So I had oh, my back. Wow. Yeah, well, it was like, you know, it's like, you know, abuse is one of those things that unfortunately the last thing they can control is money. And it was like, um, I gave up financial support to have full custody so I could keep the children safe. And that was oh, important. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but we still, you know, I still, um, wanted the kids to see him and mm-hmm. you know getting divorced I think was a rude wake-up call for him I don't think he ever thought that would happen mm-hmm. um that I would follow through on it and it was, it was the hardest thing and it was actually I was Catholic at the time and the priest at our church was the one who encouraged me to get divorced believe it or not so it was wow. pretty yeah pretty amazing stuff comes from it but, um, and I did, I will tell you a funny story about it though. There is, and I did, I did keep my sense of humor by keeping my back, but I went to, <laughs> I, I saw a therapist and um, I saw a therapist and she was this really empathetic person. And I remember talking with her about some of the stuff that was going on and I was sitting in her office that day and she was started to cry. And I remember reaching over and you know how the therapist will keep a box of tissues you know on the little table in between you I remember picking up and handing her tissues and I remember thinking to myself as I went out of there it's like you know your life sucks when you're handing your therapist tissues (laughs) (laughs) I did find so funny she really you don't want your therapist crying (laughs) yeah it was it it's was, like the role the roles reversed <laughs> yeah it just it was like that wasn't working for me so I did find wow. and I did find a fabulous therapist who was incredibly helpful in my transition so um but yeah <laughs> like, you know your life sucks when you're giving a therapist to choose. <laughs> that's really funny uh, so um now I forgot your question of why I was telling you it's like see uh, it's like um PTSD with all this it's like Okay, I remember. <laughs> oh, good. Refresh me. So I brought up how you said that uh, you've always had your back. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it. the reason why I asked is because I feel like that's number one most important 
when you're an entrepreneur, like if you don't believe in yourself, who's going to, (laughs) you know, you have to have your, it's such a hard journey and it's hard to start. It's hard to get it off the ground and all of that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I just asked you when that started. (laughs) Yeah. You're so right. But that was, that was really, it's like, and when I talk about these are the good problems to have, Mm -hmm. like, like this is money. Money's a a tough problem to have, but it's also a good problem to have. You can, you can find solutions for it. You know, Mm -hmm. when you're dealing with, um, you know, abuse and depression and illness and things like that, those are not the good problems to have. I can assure you, those are not the ones you want to be dealing with. And so, you know, when you can get through hard times like that, you know, you can get through other times for sure that are, that are, still difficult and still cause, um, you know, challenges. Uh, but as you come through these kinds of challenges, it's like empowering. Yeah. And you know, Mm -hmm. that's what's good, but, but, and you have to have that, like that healthy mix of persistence and then also the objectivity to know when to stop. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think a lot of business, a lot of people, entrepreneurs have business coaches because yeah, you know, having that objective, other set of eyes helping you to mm-hmm. identify what the barriers are, state what you're going to do to remove the barriers, mm-hmm. and move on to take action and evaluate how the action worked. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I do the same thing with health and nutrition coaching with people that a business coach or someone like you probably does that. Um, helps people to maintain, you know, build some success in their lives. Right. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that too. And it's also uh, interesting how sometimes even just having a coach mirror back to you, what you just said out loud, like when you hear your words coming out of someone else's mouth or even, even not even coaching, even with my relationship with my fiance, sometimes they'll be like, you just said this. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) Really? I don't remember that. That's what I said, but okay. (laughs) And just hearing that, that mirroring, like gives really gives you that objectivity of like, all right, (laughs) this is what I need to work on, or this is what I need to change. Yeah. And asking that question. And one of my favorite questions to ask clients when they talk about what they do, is like, how's that working for you? Mm, (laughs) Is that, Mm. is that taking you towards your goal? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, to the point of mirroring back, I had a client just this week actually was said, you know, she actually had a weekend where she had a workshop she was at all weekend and she had a bagel and she felt really bad about it. And it, but worse off is it made her feel awful. And then she physically, she mm-hmm. literally had like a crash, uh, you know, from it. So she said, it's like, as I'm talking to you about it. I'm actually glad I had the experience because I don't want to feel that way. And it's like, and then I reflected back. It's like, and I said, I also heard you say at the very next meal, you went right back to eating the way you want to choose to be eating. And you didn't wait till the next day. You didn't wait till Monday. You did it at the very next meal. And she's like, I did. And it was like, (laughs) it changed everything. So it's like, people don't even realize sometimes the celebrations that they, yeah. re- mm-hmm. you know, just acknowledge within themselves. Yeah. Um, we're all going to make choices that we're not necessarily 
um, in alignment with what we want. It's, but it's like, but it's what you do the next time you make a choice that mm -hmm. makes the difference of which direction you go. So, yeah. yeah. That's why it's yeah. so important to keep like, just keep your eyes and ears open, be yes. adaptive to change. Not, not only with nutrition, with business too. Yeah. So I love that that self-reflection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. earlier something that had me think about how, um, so most of business is mindset. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts about how, like, how your food choices affect your thoughts. Ooh. <laughs> That's something I've always so. thought about. Like, sometimes I look at my plate of food and I'm like, whoa, this piece of broccoli is going to be a thought one day <laughs> or like I think about like how I think about weird things sometimes <laughs> no that's that's all that's all cool I think that you know I think one of the things with mindset is um so much about the way we think about food mm -hmm. is important and I I think this and I think again there's parallels with the way we think about our business too but when I think about food now I think of it as two things. It provides fuel for my body. And at times it actually provides pleasure. Mm. And what I have done with my mindset is I don't have to have pleasure all the time with my food. Mm. That's a mindset change. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that, um, so a lot of times I eat for fuel. It's like, I know I want vegetables. I know I'm protein and I'm just eating this and that's it. And the, the thing that happens with um, our brain, first of all, and why mindset is important is our brain. And we think about the reptilian or the oldest part of our brain has two goals. It wants to reduce pain and feel good. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's all our brain really tries to do. Mm -hmm. And when you know that, you actually can kind of take charge of your brain a little more. And I, I don't say like, just self discipline, because I think, you know, self discipline is a um, I, I don't want people to use self discipline to eat. I want people to use, you know, their mind, right in the and mm -hmm. like really choosing what do I want with this meal? What do I want with this? In the same way that you do when you're um, thinking about what are you going to do today? What are your top three goals yeah. for your business today? What do I have to get done? Makes me think and, of setting an intention. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And when you think about that, and you set that intention, your brain is going to be more responsive to it. And mm. I get into a whole lot of things, but there's one this one thing that I think is really cool. Uh, I, somebody shared this and we think about not using, you know, why self-discipline isn't it. It's choice, right? You mm -hmm. said you've got a fiance and you're about to get married, which congratulations, yeah. by the way. That's so Thank fun. you. I love <laughs> that part of life is awesome to get started. In. But um, so you think about it and you think about your fiance, it wouldn't even occur to you to look at another man or woman, whether I don't you know, whatever gender your fiance is, it wouldn't even occur to you to look at another person and think you would desire them 
to be your partner because you've chosen someone else, right? Mm -hmm. And I know the outcome of that. I know it would not be good. (laughs) Right, right. So you wouldn't wouldn't take a lick of anybody else. (laughs) So, So you can make the same comparison with the foods that you're choosing to eat, right? It's like, I'm not wanting to eat processed carbs today. So I'm not even going to take a lick. I'm not going to take a taste because that sets you up in this cycle. And I'm not going to call it cheating either. I'm calling it choice. I'm I'm choosing not to take a lick. Like Mm -hmm. you don't think, you know, it's like, you're not even thinking about cheating on your fiance, Mm -hmm. right? You, You don't want to choose anything else. Well, same thing. Don't cheat on yourself when it comes to your food choices. And, and don't cheat on your business and spend right. and like don't cheat on- five hours scrolling on Instagram. <laughs> exactly. Unless you're looking at my Instagram site. My IGTV <laughs> has a lot of really good information. That's like taking care of your body. <laughs> so, but yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> um, we'll wrap this up soon. I want to ask you two more questions. All right, go for okay. it. So one of them, uh, what is a tool that you'll always have that you'll always like refer back to no matter what you're working on in your business? Oh, great question. You can't say I... my phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually think it is my um, my quiet time first thing in the morning Ooh. where I actually sit down and write out three things I'm grateful for. I write out my three top goals for the day. Mm -hmm. I look at my calendar and see when I'm going to do things that day because it might've changed. I try to look for the week and plan ahead and plug things in, but something always comes up like my daughter going into labor, (laughs) things (laughs) like that. Um, And then, um, you know, look at the things that I had to carry over from the day before that I want to incorporate and then when I'm going to do it. So that's my, my, and that takes me literally about five minutes to Mm -hmm. 10 minutes to do. Mm -hmm. And I do it with a cup of green matcha tea that I make. And I do the ceremonial Uh, green tea. So that's mm. the first thing I do is I make my ceremonial green tea. And then I sit down with my little planner book and write out those things and reflect on it that sounds lovely that's probably the most important tool I have yeah I would go without it now that sounds really lovely it is it is (laughs) it's a it's and and it's like and it's comes about I that's you know that's I for anyone who read atomic habits it's called habit stacking Mm. so the tea and then the time uh Mm -hmm. and I do those things so Mm -hmm. there you go What's your second question? Nice. Uh, what phase of business do you think you're in? Like, what would you call the chapter that you're in right now? Uh, probably the, uh, one of the parts that is before success. Okay. So one of the things that is, um, one of the things I always did in business is to, you, you want to do, when you have a business idea, you want to talk to people about it, test it out, you know, and you want to get proof of concept, right? Mm-hmm. So my proof of concept is there. I know that what I'm doing is going to work. So now I have to get to the point where I'm 
it's scaled enough that I'm successful to Mm -hmm. make it, you know, a living, right. Uh, And sustainable. Yeah. Um, That, you know, I'm doing the habits, doing the skills, you know, I'm still at that point of, uh, I've got proof of concept. I'm still learning some social media skills and some infrastructure skills and things like that. And now it's like pre-success stage, which is kind of a fun stage, but it's also a little scary because, yeah. you know, you're in, working in a financial deficit most months, but um, yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at now. Um, and that's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it is, it is. And I'm making a couple of little changes that people can stay tuned to see that are very exciting. I think are mm-hmm. speak to um, uh, one of the things that'll make my business more successful as well. Nice. Speaking of those changes, where can our listeners find you online? You're so sweet. Thanks for asking. I am with Age Intelligence. So on Instagram, they can find me at Age Intelligence. And my website is also ageintelligence.com. And if you want more information about my programs, you can email me at info at ageintelligence.com as well. Reasons I'm committed to social media because it's mostly millennial and some Gen Xs that are Mm. on there. Mm. And um there, um, you know, I want to help people get healthy lifestyles before they get to chronic disease. And with people being, um, you know, by the time they hit 35, a huge percentage of millennials are um, overweight or obese, which means they probably got insulin resistance and are on the way to type two diabetes, which is not a good scene. Not where you want to go. So Mm -hmm. I want to help people avoid that and reverse it. Yeah, for sure. Well, your work is much needed in this world. And yeah, you're welcome. And I'm so grateful that you came onto this podcast. This was a lovely conversation. Thank you so much for asking me and best wishes to you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Openly Spoken. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this with a friend and also help us out by leaving us a review over on iTunes or wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast so that more people can see this and we can feed that podcast algorithm. I hope that this episode deeply served you and I will see you all next week. Thank you.